What good is a promise? So many get broken, remain unfulfilled, should never have been made in the first place or believed. For every promise kept, we can name two that others have broken or 10 we failed to keep ourselves. But God, when God makes a promise, there is no breaking, no failure, no maybe, no might, no probably. For what God has sworn, he will do. Good morning, sleep-in service. I'm so glad that you're here. And whether you're watching at home or maybe you're camping somewhere, watching on a mobile device or in your RV, so glad that you're here with us on this Memorial Day weekend. I would love to extend my own personal gratitude to those who gave their lives for the freedom that I'm exercising right now in preaching the name of Jesus and freedom. And to the families of those who gave their lives as well, we want you to know we mourn with you and we so are so profoundly grateful for the sacrifice and the price that you paid for our freedom. We thank you. Before I get started today, we got a young man from our church. His name is Tyson. He is recovering uh, this weekend at Seattle Children's Hospital. And uh, Tyson, we miss you, and we're praying for you, and we hope that you are feeling well very, very, very soon. Hey, growing up as a kid in Canada, if you wanted to make a promise to a friend, this is what you did. You said these words, cross my heart, hope to die, stick a needle in my eye. And I'm just going to say it. That's both weird and twisted, right? When you really think about what you're saying. It's almost as twisted as parents teaching their little child to pray. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. Sweet dreams, Johnny, right? Are you kidding me? That's just kind of twisted. But we make those kinds of statements all the time without realizing the gravity of those words. I remember the first time that I ran into the American version of cross my heart. I'm talking to a middle schooler. I'm a youth pastor in Everson. I make a promise and he sticks out his hand in kind of a modified hang loose configuration and says pinky swear. I'd never seen anything like that in my life. Pinky swear. What in the world is that? Do you actually know what that is? So if you Google it, the roots of the pinky swear actually come from the Japanese mafia or the Yakuza. They had this system. If you were caught lying, you had to cut off a portion of your own finger to show your contrition and your increasing loyalty to that group. So the next time you make a pinky swear, think about severing your own finger as a penalty if you don't keep your promise. I mean, isn't it amazing that we've boiled down our word, our bond, our covenant, our contract, our promises to a hand gesture? Isn't it amazing that when it comes to promises, we tend to think more about the ones that we've broken than the ones that we've kept? Isn't it amazing in a world where a handshake actually used to mean something, it was an extension of our own integrity, that now we look at our promises and our vows and our contracts as disposable, temporary, frail, or maybe even just an opportunity to explore the loopholes. If that's our viewpoint on promises, What do we do with the 3,000 plus promises of God from the Bible? I mean, are they just a collection of, of heavenly pinky swears that are easily broken? Or are they a foundational extension of God's character that we can literally bind ourselves to because God never breaks a promise 
forever. Listen to these words from the book of Hebrews between God and Abraham, the father of the Israelites. Hebrews 6.13 says, When God made his promise to Abraham, since there was no one greater for him to swear by, he swore by himself, saying, I will surely bless you and give you many descendants. And so, after waiting patiently, Abraham received what was promised. God made a promise to Abraham and it was sworn by an eternal God for all of eternity in a way that it couldn't be broken or challenged or changed. And I know so far when it comes to the promises of God, we're using some really bold language. We're using ominous words like sworn and it sounds a little angry and serious and legal. That's because it is. But what if at exactly the same time the promises of God are the most comforting and beautiful extension of God's character. And they are absolutely, unequivocally, absolutely for you. Peter loved the promises of God. Let me tell you something about Peter. Peter was a brazen, serious, foul-mouthed fisherman. And then Jesus happened. Peter was a person with faults and a temper and a mouth. And then Jesus happened. Peter was a a coward, a denier, a flake, and a fraud, and then Jesus happened. And at the end of his life, a transformed Peter wrote these words. I I read them to you earlier in the service. Grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, he's given us his very great and precious promises. So that through them you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness knowledge, and to knowledge self-control, and to self-control perseverance, and to perseverance godliness, and to godliness mutual affection, and to mutual affection love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, It will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, let me say it. That's a lot of words. Just a lot of words. And sometimes it's easy to get lost in a lot of Bible words. But here's some wisdom for you. If you ever get lost in a lot of Bible words, back into it. Back into the truth. My favorite preacher of all time was Dr. E.V. Hill. Dr. Hill could preach. And I heard him preach one time and he shared this wisdom. He said, if you ever get lost, reading forward, take a breath and back into it. So let's start with the ending and work our way backwards. Peter says, add to your faith. And he gives us this great list. Add to your faith. What? Add to your faith goodness. That means being good to the people you're living with right now in your house because you're not as easy to live with as you think you are. So add some goodness. Add some knowledge. That means knowing more of Jesus and his word every single day. That means you don't live off of your newsfeed. You live off of fresh bread, the fresh bread of scripture every day. Add some knowledge. Add some self-control. That means knowing when to say nothing or knowing when to say no to yourself. Add some perseverance. That means staying with it, sticking with it, because this season, eventually it'll pass. Add some godliness. That means acting and loving like Jesus would, not like you naturally would. Add some mutual affection. That's as simple as caring for each other in a way that would honor God. And finally, add some love. I mean, that means using the love of God as your prime motivator every single day. So add this to your life right now. 
because your world will thank you. Now stick with me. If you're adding to your faith in Jesus, that means there's something already there. If goodness, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, mutual affection, and love are being added like the walls and the roof of a house, it means there's already a foundation to build on. Peter is saying your foundation, what's already there and what is immovable are the eternal and personal promises of God. We keep backing up in the passage. Peter says, for God has given us his very great and precious promises so that what? So that when we are actively embracing the full value of God's promises, it gives us these two beautiful gifts. It allows us to participate in the divine nature. That means to live out the fullness of all that God created you to be and to fulfill every single purpose he has for you. And when you do that, when God's purpose is your purpose, when God's priorities are your priorities, when God's character is your character, then here's the bonus. You're able to escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. When you desire the purity of God's desires, everything else just seems like a glorious waste of time. So keep backing into it. Keep moving backwards in the passage. It says God has given us everything we need for life and godliness, and it all begins and originates and is grounded upon his great and precious promises. Promises that were sworn in the perfect life, the brutal crucifixion, the horrible death, and the glorious resurrection of Jesus. Second Corinthians chapter 1 says this, For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ Jesus. And so through Jesus, the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. Amen and amen. Let's get practical, all right? Over the next number of weeks, I would love to teach you how to embrace the great and precious promises of God. And we're going to do that through four words. Four words that you're going to hear over and over and over again. Now be careful because whenever we give you a small list of words, often people think oh, it's like it's four easy steps in order to express something. Let me just tell you right from the beginning. This is not another version of name it, claim it, put it on the wall and frame it. Okay? This is not a slick version of God said it, I believe it. That settles it. This is not a cliche. This is the rawness of regular human life built on the immovable rock of Jesus. Here's the first word. The first word is no, K-N-O-W. And we know is a means of stability. You know, the promises of God have got to be known. You got to know them up here before they can stabilize your life. If you don't know the promise, how in the world do you hold it in your heart when it feels like your whole life is, it, is kind of going to hell? If you don't know what God has promised, how do you speak them in the middle of the night when you're wrapped in fear and don't know where to turn? How can you be comforted and strengthened by promises that you don't know? Well, we want to give you an opportunity to get to know them. There are more than 3,000 promises all throughout Scripture that God has made. We just picked 30 of them, okay? And a group of people, um, our executive assistant, Emma Messner, and a team, uh, Drew Young and Randy Borland, Scott Sayers, they, they worked really hard to put these pieces together. And then a number of pastors came together and they wrote a 30-day promise journal that we want to put in your hands. The goal is during the month of June that you would do 30 promises in 30 days. Now, if you get your hands on it and can't wait to start, go ahead. Just go for it, okay? But we created this journal for you so that every day you could take a brand new promise of God Look at a devotional 
Andy even added a song for each one so that you have a soundtrack that's playing in the back of your mind. Each one of these promises is going to remind you just how good and faithful God has been. And we want to get these into your hands so badly, and we miss you so much, that we're going to do something this week called curbside pickup, all right? So if, if you need, you're just feeling the need, you got to connect, you got to collect with, or connect with church. I mean, just something inside of you says, I just need to connect with some people. Here's what we're going to do. Tuesday evening from five to seven, and then Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday from 11 to one, we're going to ask you to enter the church parking lot through the Bakerview entrance, follow the signs around the building. And when you pull up in front, there'll be some pastors there. We'd love to give you some of these promise journals for your family. We've got some for kids as well. We'd love to give you some communion elements so you can go home as a family and celebrate communion together. And then we want to invite you to go on this journey with us with our 30-day promise journal. I know for some of you, you can't come to us, but we want to make sure that everything can come to you. So thank God for digital technology. If you go to ctk.church promises, you can download your own copy of the promise journal and we're going to get to know these together. So no, secondly, internalized as a means of connection. You know, you can memorize all the promises of God as a grocery list, but unless you internalize them, unless you marinate in them, unless you allow them to seep into every pore of your thinking and your process, the truth is they'll just be Bible trivia. Unless the promises of God make an 18-inch drop from your brain into your soul, they're just words. We want you to experience more than just knowing them. We want you to internalize them deep inside of your soul. We want them to become a part of you. The third word, then, is to declare as a means of resistance. Now, don't think declare as standing on a street corner and shouting the promises of God at cars that are passing by, hoping that somebody hears you. Now, I want you to think of declare in a different way. Think of declare as talking back to the devil. You see, whenever you speak the promises of God, and you should always speak them out loud, Satan loves to come and counterattack with lies. When you declare the perfect and pure promises of God, there is spiritual resistance that rises up inside of you that pushes back against the darkness. And it leads us to another promise. The Bible said, if you will resist the devil, he has to flee. He has no choice. So we know the promises of God. We internalize the promises of God. We declare them as a weapon in spiritual warfare. And then we take one more step further. We share them as a means of hope. Now, when you hear the word share, don't picture two kindergarten kids with peanut butter sandwiches arguing over who's going to get which one and saying, well, sharing is caring. Don't think that way, all right? No, when you think of sharing, think about the share button on your computer. If you're watching on some of our digital platforms right now, you might see a, a share button. Think about something that has value to you. And when you believe something has so much value to you and you believe it'll bring value to someone else, what do we do? We share it. We share what matters to us. We push it out to the people that we know and love because we believe it's gonna give them hope. I hope and pray this message is an encouragement to you. But if it really strikes a chord, my prayer is that it'll go a step further, that you'll actually share it with people that you know and love. It works the same way with the promises of God. If they matter, they will be 
shared. You know, and I'm amazed, I'm amazed at what I share on social media. I, I share pictures of my family. I share pictures of my new puppy, <laughs> which is kind of fun. I often share scripture or prayer requests. My wife loves to share songs. Many of us will share inspiration. Here's the bottom line. We share what matters to us and the promises of God need to be shared. Let me paint a picture for you from my own life. Let's rewind the tape of history back to February, right? It's, we finished Christmas, January and February are kind of the winter days here in Washington State. Lots of rain and we're just going through the motions doing church, you know. Not that we ever discredit what we're doing on the weekend, but it was kind of business as usual. We'd been having conversations about live streaming. You know, should we, shouldn't we? Well, apparently Jesus didn't think much of our conversation because suddenly, overnight, he made live stream the only option. Basically said, look, stop talking and do it. This is how this is going to work. So we had to spin on a dime and we headed into March in a bit of a daze. If you know anything about Christ the King, March is missions month for us. That's the month where we try to raise support for miracle projects on the other side of the world through our global partners. On top of missions month, trying to raise a lot of money to help our partners on the other side of the world, we started a series on miracles. And I was excited to preach that live with human beings actually in the room. And then we're getting ready to move past March and we're getting ready for April because we're thinking about Easter and suddenly the whole world changed. And when all that happened, Jesus and I actually exchanged words on more than one occasion. I'm asking questions, like I'm challenging. I'm challenging his timing. I'm challenging his sovereignty. I'm challenging his control. I, I remember saying like, seriously, Jesus, it's missions month. We're trying to do something big here and now church is getting shut down. I mean, I'm preaching on miracles over here and you're closing the doors. What are you thinking, Jesus? And I'm, I'm angry, I'm frustrated, I'm weak. I'm scared, and I was wrong. I knew I was wrong when in a moment of deep love, Jesus rebuked me with some strong words. It was as if he said, hey, preacher man, whose church is it? Who is in control of everything that's going on? God asked me, have you forgotten the powerful and personal promise of Jesus? Matthew 16, 18, Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. I knew that promise. I learned it in Sunday school a long, long time ago. I knew it in my brain. I've actually quoted that particular scripture standing at the entrance of Pan's temple in Caesarea Philippi. In Israel, they call it Caesarea Philippi. I knew that promise up here in my head, but now I was going to have an opportunity to internalize it and live it. So I started saying that promise out loud. Jesus said he would build his church. It's not my church. It's not your church. The church belongs to Jesus. And Jesus said he would build it. I can't build it. We can't build it. But Jesus can build it. And Jesus can handle it. Because it belongs to him. So I began to know that promise. I began to internalize that promise. Jesus said he would build his church. I checked over and over again. My name is not in that sentence. It doesn't say Grant will build the church of Jesus. It doesn't say that. 
okay, I have to show up. I gotta do my part. I've gotta be faithful and work really, really hard. But this is not on me. This is on him. And I was, I was encouraged by another thought. The church has survived thousands of years of persecution and scandal, and she's still here. The gates of hell are not winning. God is using all of this to build his church. I began to let that marinate in my heart. And, and you know what? It helped me sleep better. It helped me rest in God's plan. But I'll be honest with you. I knew the promise of God. I was internalizing it. But every weekend I would come and stand down here off to the side getting ready to preach. And Satan would show up and lie to me. He would say things like, you're done. You're shut down. This place is going broke. You're all going to lose your jobs. You can't compete with those other big churches. Nobody's watching. You're alone. This will never work. This is the end of church as you know it, and it's all going to go away. I put up with those lies for a little bit. And then because I knew the promise of God and internalized the promise of God, I started talking back. My wife actually taught me how to talk back to the devil. I hear her do it quite often. So I started following her example and I started Satan thing, saying things like, hey, Satan, do you remember Jesus? Well, if you've forgotten about Jesus, let me remind you. He beats you. He beats you on the cross. He beat death in once and for all. You thought you had him beat, but you were wrong. You thought you had all of us, but you were wrong. He paid our penalty. He set us free. You lost. And the Jesus that beat you, he made a promise. He said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. I also said, by the way, devil, I'm not going to buy the lie that other churches are the competition. They're not competition. They're family. And we're all in this together. The only competition in Whatcom County is you, you lying snake. So you can force a church back into homes. You can scare people with a virus. You can whisper fear about the economy and survival. But that doesn't change the promise of God that can't fail because God can't lie. And in spite of it all, Jesus can and will build his church. Just so you know, we didn't get all the March missions uh, month projects done, but in the face of all of that uncertainty in March, you still gave $53,000 to our partners and we passed it on to them and they're using it for God's glory. Just so you know, our global partners around the world, their needs have magnified. I mean, we think we're having a hard time with food and restrictions here. Some of our brothers and sisters on the other side of the world have no idea where their next meal is coming from. And so we're going to open a door one more time. If you'd like to give to our continuing missions offering, you can go to ctk.church missions and I will give you my promise on behalf of our missions team. Every dime that comes in will go directly towards feeding orphans and widows through our global partners. What a beautiful promise that is. Just so you know, we kept doing our series on miracles. It's one of the most watched and downloaded series that we've ever done at Christ the King. Last weekend on the live stream, we had people in Qatar watching. I've always pronounced it Qatar, but I, got, I figured it out. I was told, I was corrected, which is awesome. We had people in Qatar watching church with you. 
This morning, I got a picture from people at CTK. They're camping, watching church in their RV. It's a miracle. Jesus is building his church. God's not done. So I started declaring that to the devil. Jesus made a promise. I know it. I'm internalizing it. I'm declaring it. And then the craziest thing happened. I started running into other pastors who were asking the same kinds of questions that I was. And you know what I would share with them? There's a promise in scripture. Jesus said he would build his church. We thought we had it built. Apparently God has a brand new construction project for us. So let's share that. Know, internalize, declare as a weapon, and then share because I don't know of anything more valuable that we could share than the promises of God. Let me wrap this up. I found out a fact last week that blew my mind. It was attached to a number. The number is $5.9 billion, okay? Billion with a B, not M as in million, but billion, $5.9 billion. Let me tell you what that number is attached to. Right now, just in this country, there are $5.9 billion in unclaimed gift card balances. There's $5.9 billion worth of gift cards just sitting in wallets, and car consoles, and desk drawers, collecting dust and doing nothing. $5.9 billion in cash value just sitting there unused and unclaimed. That sounds crazy to me. I mean, my first thought when I hear this $5.9 billion worth of gift cards out there, I'm like, share them with me. I'll take them off your hands. If you don't want to spend them, you know. To the followers of Jesus that are listening. How many of the promises of God have we allowed to sit unclaimed, unused, and undervalued? How many of those promises have we just allowed to collect dust in the side pockets of our lives? How many of us are holding on to them for a rainy day? Not knowing when the rain may end. Here's my question. What if we actually used them? What if we claimed them? What if the promises were redeemed? What if we knew them? What if we used them and internalized them? What if we fought back with them when the enemy came after us? What if we shared them? What if when people said, hey, how are you doing? What if our answer was, I'm good because my feet are firmly planted on the promises of an eternal God. And what if we had an opportunity with grace and with gratitude to share with somebody who's just plain scared? What if we could share with them, this is God's promise to you. Well, I hope and pray that we'll live this out over the next five to six weeks. We're gonna look at the promises We're going to get you a a promise journal, 30 promises in 30 days. We're going to do this work together because I just wonder if our world might look a little different if the people of God started utilizing the very promises that God has already given us. So over the next weeks, I'm going to have an opportunity to share with you some of my favorite promises, the ones that ground me in seasons like this. 
couple of other pastors during the series are going to share about how God used the promises of God to transform their lives fully and completely. And I want to invite you to join us every single week. Right now. What a great time to claim the promises of God as they've been sworn in heaven and on earth. Would you pray with me as we close? God, thanks for a great long weekend. Lord, it may feel a little different, but as we, as we connect with family, as we think about those who paid the ultimate price for our freedom, God, would you well up gratitude and hope in our life. Lord, we thank you for health and hope. We pray that the promises of God would feed that health and feed that hope. Emotionally, spiritually, physically, socially. God, in this time of social distancing, I thank you that you promised you'd never leave us and that you would be near to those who call on you. So we call on you right now. We thank you for the promises of God. I thank you today, God, that you are building your church. It's a promise and we know it. We internalize it. We declare it and we're going to share it. We thank you so much for the beautiful promise that you will build your church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So God, as we move into this next season, give us wisdom, give us grace, give us godliness, give us mutual affection, give us perseverance, give us love, and God, give us self-control too. We need all of those things added to our faith as we ground them all in your great and precious promises. Thank you, Jesus, for today. I pray that we would make it count for eternity. And in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Hey, Christ the King, Lord willing, we'll be back again in about seven days with part number two of our new series on the promises of God. I hope you join me in the meantime. I hope you have a wonderful Sunday. Enjoy your Monday. Make sure you take an opportunity to stop and thank God for the freedom that you're enjoying right now. I don't know about you, but the restrictions actually make me appreciate freedom all the more. God bless you guys. We love you. We miss you. And we long for the day when we can all be back together again as a family. Persevere in the meantime. God bless you and have a great weekend. Thanks again for watching. We're so glad that you joined us today. Once again, we hope you'll get involved in biblical face-to-face -face community wherever you happen to be today. If you'd like more information about Christ the King Community Church, if you'd like to give online, or if you'd like to submit a prayer request, or even get connected in a small group, you can find out more about us at ctk.church.